Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Hey, thank you for joining Branch Life Church Online. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors at Branch Life, and I'm so glad that you've joined us for the start of a brand new series we're calling our Summer Playlist. We're starting a new series with this session today all about the book of Psalms. Psalms is a collection of 150 songs smack in the middle of the Bible. I don't know about you. I don't know what kind of song listener you are. Maybe you're the type of person who likes to hear uh, that old song. It pops up on the radio and you know every word. You know it by heart. It's connected to some of your favorite memories and you just are filled with joy when you hear this old song again for the 100th time. But maybe you're someone who likes to find out about new songs. You're that guy that the Spotify playlist says, I think they're going to like this song and they play it for you. And instantly you know that this is going to be a brand new classic in your life. And you lean into the freshness of a brand new song that speaks to you in this moment and in this particular time. Hey, whether you like the old classics or whether you like new songs, Psalms can fill those, uh, can be those for you. Maybe you're someone who already knows these psalms, you've read them and you've loved them for your entire life. This will be like hearing a new song, a new and fresh. And I want to say to you that that psalm that you've heard before probably has something more to say. And so lean in and hear these classics again and let them refresh your soul. But maybe you're new to psalms and maybe you haven't quite heard these yet. I promise that these will become instant classics in your life. And that you will love these new songs as we introduce them to you. So each week we look at a brand new song as we travel through this summer. And whether you're joining us live on the broadcast uh, on the day on this day or whether you're a part of the rebroadcast weeks or months or even years from now, we're glad that you can be a part of learning and knowing and loving the Psalms together. So I want to encourage you to lean in as these Psalms will take us on a journey that will deepen our faith and encourage you to connect to God. Hey, maybe you're asking yourself, I don't know about God. I don't know who he is. I don't know what he's like. These songs will give you a roadmap to a relationship with God. They will show you who he is. Then they will show you yourself in God's story. So hey, lean in and join in with us as we travel together through the book of Psalms. It's our summer playlist. Let's get started. So as we start here talking about the book of Psalms, I want to let you know just a little bit about what the Psalms are. If you take your Bible and you open it somewhere right around the middle, chances are you're going to land in the book of Psalms. Psalms fall smack in the middle of the Bible, and it's a collection of 150 writings from Psalm 1 to Psalm 150. And these writings were were written thousands of years before Christ. These were writings or songs that were used by the Jewish people to celebrate God. They used these songs in their worship. They used these songs in their families to teach themselves about God, to celebrate who God was, and to make emotional connections to God. They boiled down the truths of God into these little songs, into these packages, sometimes short, sometimes longer. And they they expressed 
what what every song expresses. They gave the emotion of their faith through these songs. In the book of Psalms, out of the 150 Psalms, 70% of the songs contain lament. They're songs about sadness or about regret or about pain. And in some of these same songs that have sadness, the, the song will flip and it'll turn into celebration. And they'll go from a moment of, of deep pain to a moment of deep celebration, all in the same song. And isn't that just like our lives? Sometimes we'll be having a great day and going through a great having great moments in that day and celebrating life and loving life. And then we'll get that news or we'll get that report or all of a sudden we won't, we won't be feeling well, whether it's physical or emotional. And then instead of having a great day, we have a pain-filled day. Our lives are represented in these same swings that we see in the book of Psalms. And these books, these Psalms uh, connect us to those emotions and how God uses those emotions in our lives. In these 150 songs, there's wedding songs. There's songs about love. There's songs about passion. In these 150 songs, there's songs that are, teach us deep theological truths about who God is. And there's songs, even though they were written a thousand years before Christ, teach us about Christ. These songs that we're going to lean into will demonstrate some incredible truths. So, I hope that you're excited to learn and lean into the Psalms that we have. The book of Psalms have been described many ways by many theologians over the years, but here's what you need to know about the Psalms. First, their art, their artwork, their poetry in motion. I don't know if you've been someone who would go to a museum and just stare at paintings. That's not my deal. But I've seen people who like to go to museums and stare at paintings and and it's, it's like they get tunnel vision and they start staring at a painting and you want to go up to them and say, hey, what are you looking at? And, and they're zoned into the deep details of the painting and they're looking for the meaning that that painter was trying to get across and what it was expressing to them. And they're using the colors and the pictures and the portraits and the brushstrokes to allow them to see this beautiful image. And it connects to them in an emotional way and an emotional level like nothing else does. That's the book of Psalms. The farther, the longer that you allow yourself to stare into the book of Psalms and to see the beauty and the depth of the message of the brushstrokes that are there, it's like staring into a beautiful piece of art and you can get lost and lose yourself in this art and be connected on an emotional level like nothing else does. Other parts of the Bible tells us stories and they give us instruction for life and this is not an instruction manual as much as it is an artistic interpretation of God himself. So we celebrate the art, the value that this art has and it'll speak to you in a whole new and in a powerful way. The Psalms are a mirror into our soul. When you look into the Psalms, you will see yourselves. You will see your sadness and your joy. You will see your passion and your love. It'll be a reflection back to you of the emotions that you are feeling. Some theologians, when talking about the book of Psalms, have expressed this idea that there is no human emotion that is not represented somewhere in the book of Psalms. You will see yourself, whether you are have a deep faith in God or whether you're exploring a faith in God or whether you're having doubts about your faith in God. You will see that in the book of Psalms. 
And as you travel through this, you will see that mirror and yourself reflected, but you'll also see how you are a part of God's story. In the book of Psalms, as the emotions are build and collect, you will be able to learn and understand how to deal with these emotions, some of them God-given, some of them a result of living in a broken world. And you'll see how others travel through processing the emotions of the day. So these psalms are emotional. These psalms are songs. They were meant to be sung and put to music. They were meant to be remembered. Just like you remember every word of that song that you grew up with, that song that was your college anthem song, that song that you love to hear on the radio. These psalms were meant to be sung and every word meant to be remembered. They encapsulated great truths about God into small, poetic, artistic moments. And these songs, many of them are prayers. They're prayers that you can pray to God himself. They're prayers that you can pray when you're angry. They're prayers that you can pray when you're scared. They're prayers that you can pray when you're hurting or when you're doubting or when you're celebrating. So as you read and sing and and view these songs, I want to encourage you to pray these songs to God and to use these songs to teach yourself and to teach one another how to pray. Here's some incredible things that some great theologians have said about the book of Psalms. Martin Luther uh, said this, that the Psalms are a little Bible, wherein everything contained in the entire Bible is beautifully and briefly comprehended. The Psalms package the deep, deep, long, explained truths of God into small, brief, but easy to understand packages that we can remember and we can carry with us. Steve Lawson said, Romans gave Luther his theology, but it's the Psalms that gave him the thunder. John Piper says, Some poetry makes no claim to instruct the mind, but the Psalms do. They instruct us about God and about man and about life. When you read and see this art, you gain instruction, learning, and teaching about God himself about yourself, and about life itself. And finally, C.S. Lewis says, the most valuable thing that the Psalms do for me is they express the same delight in God in which that which made David to dance. David is the one who wrote most of these Psalms that we have. He was known as a musician who became one of the greatest kings of all time. And David would dance before God celebrate God literally through dance and these songs bring us that same joy and that same celebration as we read about who God is. So let's dive into these psalms together. And not only did these theologians know and love the psalms, but the psalms is the most quoted book in the New Testament. Authors like Matthew and Mark and Paul and John quoted psalms more than any other Old Testament book. And you know who else quoted psalms? Jesus Christ. Jesus quoted Psalms more than any other Old Testament book of the Bible. He talked about the Psalms. He talked about the truth and the art of the Psalms. And he talked about seeing himself in the Psalms. So if Jesus loved the Psalms, you should too. So let's dive in today with Psalm chapter 1. We're going to look at the very first Psalm in the Bible. And hey, it's a great place to start because this Psalm, Psalm chapter 1, lays out the outline or, or the, the idea that is expressed in all 150 psalms. 
What's the collection of Psalms all about? Well, that's what we learn in Psalm chapter 1. So remember we said that Psalms are a painting. So if, if I could think of one painting that would represent Psalm chapter 1, let's stare into this incredible work of art that I call a fork in the road. Yeah, that's right. There's a fork in the road. We all know what a fork in the road is. It's when you come up to this intersection where you can either go right or left. It's a fork in the road, and there's only one or the other way to go. It's it. You only have one of two options. The great poet Robert Frost talked about the fork in the road when he wrote his song, uh, the road, or his poet, poem, The Road Less Traveled. He talked about the person walking through the woods and coming to this fork in the road and seeing one option that had, was well-worn and many travelers had passed that way. Yet the other option, there was leaves across the path and not many had gone that way. And the, the traveler chose to go down the path less traveled. That's exactly the settlement, sentiment found in Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 is telling you and is telling me that you are at a fork in the road and there's one of two options and they're the only two options that you have. Now a lot of people like to say, hey, I believe in multiple options. I refuse to believe that there's only one of two ways I can go with my life. We live in a postmodern society in the information superhighway where we are enlightened and we understand that there's all kinds of ways to go. You do you, I'll do me, he'll, he'll do him, and that's, that's going to be everyone's option. No. Psalm chapter 1 says there's one of two ways that you can go. What path are you on? As a matter of fact, one of these paths is well-worn and well-traveled, and the other path is not. One path has blessing and prosperity connected to it, and the other is destructive. So, in Psalm chapter 1, we will look at the fork in the road and the options that all of us have as we travel through life. So let's quickly go to Psalm chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can go there with me, or you can follow along with the information on the screen. In Psalm chapter 1, in verses 1 and 2, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinner, or sits in the seat of the scoffer. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on that law he meditates day and night. we got to start with the first word in the first song, in the first chapter of the book of Psalms. Look at the word, blessed. Blessed. They're going to talk about how you can have a blessed life. Now, what is a blessed life? Is a blessed life where I get absolutely everything that I want? Uh, is a blessed life mean that I, I have all the money and all the toys and all the relationships that I have, that, I, that I'm happy all the time? Is that what it means to have a blessed life? Well, in just a couple of verses, we're going to see the description of a blessed life, and it's going to be compared to a tree. A blessed life is not about what you have. It's not as much about stuff as it is about the spirit that you have through life. It's not stuff, it's the spirit. And someone who has a blessed life has the spirit or the beauty of a life well lived. No matter the cards that are dealt, no matter the trials that come, you are able to have a blessed life. No matter how rich or how poor you are, you can have a blessed life. No matter what country you're born in or what time or generation you're a part of, you can have a blessed life. And it all depends on where you go in the road. 
what path you take when you come to the fork in the road. So the pursuit of a blessed life is pretty simple. And Psalms is going to demonstrate what it's like to live life God's way or what it's like to live life the other way. And it says simply in verses chapter one and two, blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of the wicked, does not stand in the way of the sinner, or does not see in the sword of the scoffers. The first thing the psalmist does is he tells us what not to do. Listen, there are rules to life. There are things that we should not do. And as a matter of fact, the most loving thing that we can be told is what not to do. We can be told what to avoid and where there is danger. But so many of us, we just don't like to be told what not to do. We don't like to be told that we can't try something or we can't do something or that that's against the rules. But God says, hey, there is blessing when we know what not to do. And of course, in this setting, we're avoiding wicked things. We're not going to be a part of sinful behavior. We're not going to be a part of that scoffle, that, uh, scoffing, that putting down of others. We want to avoid those things. But instead, we want to delight in the law of the Lord. And blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. Hey, there's a lot of people out there that say they believe in God. There's a lot of people out there that say that they're a Christian or that they follow God. But I'm afraid that we live in a day and an age or a time where there is a lot of what I would call Christian atheists. Others have talked about this term, Christian atheist, and simply a Christian atheist is someone who says that they're a Christian. There's someone that says they believe in God and they believe in the Bible, but they act like they don't. They live their life their own way. They do what they want to do and how they want to do it. Yeah, the Bible says not to have sex before you're married. The Bible says that you're supposed to save that for your marriage relationship, that you're supposed to be with your one and only, but... I believe in God, I believe in the Bible, but I'm going to do what I want with sex. I'm going to live the way that I want to live, and I'm going to sleep whoever with whoever I want to sleep with. That would be someone who would probably fall under the category of Christian atheist. That's someone who's walking in the way of the sinner. Because God has clearly said what to do and what not to do. And there are so many people out there that say, this is why I can't be a Christian. I can't be a Christian because there's too many rules. I don't want someone to tell me what to do and what not to do. I want to do what I want to do and when I want to do it. Yet God says, blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. Do you know that when you follow the laws of God, that you will be able to live the best life possible. Hey, I, I wanted to follow God's way when I was dating. I wanted to follow God's way when I met my wife. And so for me, that meant I'm going to wait until I'm married before we cross any physical lines. And I'm sitting here on the other end of that now going, it was the best decision I could possibly make. It was totally, totally worth it. And so many of you are sitting on this side of that discussion and whether you did it God's way or whether you did it your, your way, you now know that God's way is the right way. When we trust in God, when we delight in the law of the Lord, we are able to live a life that is blessed. And to be able to live life God's ways means understanding that when he says no, it's for our good. And when he says yes or to do it, it's for our good. Then we're able to live the best life. The psalmist thought this was so important that this was the first verse of the first song that they would sing together. 
When you delight in the law of the Lord, you are like a tree planted by the streams of water and it yields its fruit in the season and it does not wither and all that that tree does prospers. So the blessed life, the person that delights in the law of the Lord is like that tree that's planted by the water. It's getting nourishment constantly and no matter what's happening in the circumstances around him, no matter what storms come, that tree is still able to produce the fruit of life. To be able to have joy and peace. To be able to have love and faith and hope and patience. That comes from delighting in the law of the Lord. The roots planted by the water of a relationship with God. Hey, do you describe yourself as someone who delights in the law of the Lord? Able to live the blessed life. You know, if you delight yourself in the law of the Lord, you're going to see it. In a lot of different ways. When, the, when your family gathers around the dinner table and you start having conversations about your day, you start to include where you saw God in that day, how God spoke to you and led you, how God encouraged you or protect you. When you grab each other's hands and you pray and you bow your heads and you thank God for that meal, you thank God for one another, you thank God for that day. When you go to bed at night and you pray together with your spouse, talking to God about his amazing blessings, telling him about the troubles and trials. When you pray with your kids at night, that's an example of a family that delights in the law of the Lord. When that businessman facing a large decision, thinking about the future of his company, of his finances, of his employees, takes a moment in the quietness of his office to bow his head and to have a conversation with the God of the universe about the decision that he is about to make, Asking for wisdom and provision and protection, that's an example of a businessman who delights in the law of the Lord. When that couple gets up early on a Sunday morning and they get in that car and they drive to that church and they serve on those teams and they worship God passionately through the music, when they lean into the preaching of God's word, when they are thankful for those moments and they set them aside and they guard them to be a regular part of the church of God, that is a couple who delights in the law of the Lord. And blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. You see, Psalm 1 talks about a fork in the road and you can choose to go down the path that delights in the law of the Lord or you can go down a road that ignores the law of the Lord. And whether you ignore the law of the Lord intentionally or whether you just don't pay attention to the law of the Lord, you're on one of these two paths. You know, sin comes up over and over again in the Bible, and sin, yes, is doing something we shouldn't do, but sin is also not doing something we know we should do. Sin simply means we miss the target. And when we are in when we are on the path, when we are not delighting in the law of the Lord, we're on the path of the wicked. And it may be hard to hear someone say, you are potentially on the path of the wicked, but listen to what happens to those on those, that, that path. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor the sinner in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked perish. You see, when you choose the wrong path, when you choose the path away from God, your path is 
meaningless. Your path carries no depth. It carries no permanency. Your path traveling away from God is like chaff. It's, it's that stuff that gets blown away in the wind. The other path is the path where the tree is planted by the, by the streams and it's growing and it's fruitful and it multiplies. But the other path is a path to death. Where one has meaning, one is meaningless. Where one, is, where one is prospering, one is perishing. And when you look at the fork of the road, you have the opportunity to choose the path of righteousness or the path of the perishing. What path are you on? You know, if you have become a follower of God, and not just someone who calls himself a Christian, but someone who has dedicated their life to delighting in God, to following the ways of God, then you're on the path of righteousness and there is nothing that you need to be concerned about. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, be anxious about nothing, but by everything in prayer, supplication, let your requests be made known to God and you will have the peace that passes understanding. You are on the path of righteousness. When you are a child of God, you're a part of the family of God and you have the God of the universe as your father and as your friend and as your savior. If you're not someone who's ever put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ today, I want to encourage you to choose the path of God, to choose a relationship with God. Simply say to him, God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross and that he rose again for my sin. And I want to accept him to be my savior. I want to trust in him for my salvation because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the path of the one who delights in the law of the Lord. You know, Jesus talked about the ideas in Psalm chapter 1 in one of the most famous teachings in the Bible, the Sermon on the Mount. The first thing that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount is the same thing that was said in Psalm chapter 1. He said, blessed. If you have your Bibles and if you go to Matthew chapter 6, you will see what's called the Beatitudes where it says, blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. And blessed are those, and blessed are those, and blessed are those. And Jesus talks about what it means to have a blessed life when you walk with the Lord. But in that same Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about this fork on the road. Jesus in in Matthew chapter 7 said, hey, narrow is the gate and the way to salvation, and there are not a lot of people on it, but broad is the way to destruction. And there are many that travel that path. Jesus, referring to the same picture in Psalm chapter 1, is encouraging you and I to go on the road less traveled. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand or delight in the law of the Lord. But when you do, you will have the opportunity to be like a tree planted by the water. And to be able to live a fruit filled life. When you look through the collection of psalms, through these 150 songs, you will constantly see this comparison, these two choices, delighting in God or ignoring God, trusting in God or trusting in self, finding my joy and my satisfaction in God or finding my joy and satisfaction in the things of this world. And we will see Uh, In these songs, this artwork, this mirror, and these emotions that will connect us in delighting 
in God himself. So I want to encourage you to join us next week and for all of the other weeks to follow. If you're, if you're following online, you can simply go to the, next, to the next recording and keep participating as we look at a different psalm every week together to see what God has to say to us. In Psalm chapter 1, we see that there's a fork in the road. What road are you on? And understand, in this moment, in this time, the danger that you have is that you may not be getting spiritually fed. That you may be trying to run on the road your own way. But delight in the law of the Lord. Lean into Him. Lean into His church. Lean into worship. Lean into the Word of God. Lean into this series. And make Psalms a regular part of your summer 